Welcome to the show. My name is James Nielsen Watt, and in this show, we interview interesting, inspiring, and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health, and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life, health, happiness, wealth, business. We're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. In this episode, we're talking with Ryan Lee. Ryan is the CEO of Cashflow Tactics. He offers the possibility of becoming financially free in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, income, or experience. And his main goal is to teach people how to overcome debt problems and acquire new assets that can become multiple streams of income that generate revenue every single month. Welcome to the show, Ryan. What's up, what's up, James? So good to be on with you today and with your community. I, I love it. It's an honor. I'm super excited to have you on um, for for multiple reasons. One, you know, most of my audience they are health professionals. They, especially when they actually implement the stuff that I teach them, they start to be more and more successful. Which means we've got this this cash sitting there. And it's like, what do I do with it? Number two, myself, I want to be learning things from you that I can apply to my own life because I think that understanding understanding what currency is, understanding how to use assets, liabilities, like knowing this sort of stuff is so important. We don't get taught it properly. And we learn it from friends, families, and neighbors who, you know, don't understand money and we're getting our advice from them. You know what I mean? And, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you don't ask your broke friend for financial advice. You don't ask your, you know, your divorced five times and unhappy friend for, for <laughs> marriage advice. Um, you got to find people who are doing what you want to do and, and learn what learn what they're doing. So super excited to have you on the show. Love that mentality, dude. Yeah, yeah I mean, I always believe, look, you're one... You're one decision away, you're one belief away from radically transforming your life. And usually that comes when you can align with someone who's done the thing that you want to do. Like if you look at that person and you look at them and you say, you know, they did it. Yeah. And if they did it, I mean, they're not that smart, right? I mean, because the, the reality of it is most people, I mean, we're just normal people out there doing stuff. But once you mm. see someone else having done it, then that belief that you can do it too goes way up. I had Evan Carmichael on the show and we talked mm. about this concept of like pulling on the sweater of the of the person in front of you and, and just climbing the ladder that way to get to people. And we all think like, like if Warren Buffett gave me an investment plan, I'd probably be stupid not to follow it based on his track record. It's likely he's probably going to be able to help me to make some money. And we think, well, you know, that best person, I can't get their advice, but what about that person who's just a little bit ahead of you and just yeah. working your way up? Like excluding, you know, some sort of obvious opportunity discrepancies between maybe groups of people or where you're based or whatever. I think that the biggest thing that influences your ability to have success is, is the way you view the world and, and the beliefs that you hold about it. For me, beliefs are just things that, you know, thoughts you have that you stop thinking about. And if you can start shifting some of those things, you can understand things a bit differently. I think the game changes um, yeah. in terms of your ability to get success. So jump real quick into giving our audience some context. Like where have you come from? How did you get to where you are and what are you doing now? Yeah, man, that's a good question. So, you know, for me, probably like a lot of people listening to the podcast, I mean, I, I grew up pretty traditional, right? I mean, um, you know, I ended up kind of messing around in school. I dropped out of high school. But when I got my life back together, like social conditioning for me just kicked in. I didn't even question it, right? I just knew that 
when you get your life together, you go to school, right? And when you go to school, you get a degree. And when you get a degree, you get a job. And when you get a job, you put your money to 401k. And I started down that path, right? And, and I remember when I decided to go to school, um, I, I didn't really want to be in school. I just knew that that was the thing you do, right? Yeah. Uh, so my goal was to get through school as fast as I could. So I did my four-year degree in college in two, and I landed in the corporate world. And I'll never forget what should have been validating, what should have been rewarding, because I just got a college degree after having dropped out of high school. You know, it was the exact opposite for me. I looked at that paycheck, right? And um, after all the taxes and deductions and the sacrifices that I made just to get that dang paycheck, after I looked at that, I was making less money with a professional job and a college degree than I was as a side hustler because I, I kind of side hustled my way through college to pay for it. I was making less money there than I was as a side hustler in college. And I remember when I went to cash that check, that very first check, like back in the day, we used to get checks, right? And I got that check and I was like, man, I should just quit now, mm -hmm. right? But again, that social conditioning kicked in for me and I knew I couldn't quit, right? Because uh, I'm safe and responsible and the, the the thing to do is you have a job. So I, I resolved right then and there to climb the corporate ladder as fast as I can. And I worked in the medical uh, device industry. I sold medical devices, we hospital beds, things like that. And so like that job was so demanding. And, and over the next five years, I, I slowly traded away pieces of my life, my connection with my family, my health and well-being, my, you know, just I traded things away in the pursuit of money. And, you know, I got to a point where I realized even if I had all the money in the world, I wasn't happy anymore. And when 2008 happened and my 401k, because I, I was doing traditional stuff, crashed, I realized, holy crap. I don't control any of this. Like I'm playing a game that I'm losing. I don't know how to win and I'm doing what everyone else does around me, but yet I was somehow expecting a different result. And that sent me on a path at that moment to find a way to not be held back by money, but to start understanding how money works so I could start to use it as a tool to get closer to building and living a life that mattered to me. Mm. 100%. And where are you at now? Like what are you what are you doing these days and finding passion in and and having success with? Yeah, man. Um, so about seven years ago, I started get, gaining a lot of traction personally with the financial strategies that we teach uh, today. But you know, today I run two companies. Um, I didn't start off with the intention of running companies to teach other people how to become financially free, because in the beginning, you know, when I was taking my money out of the 401k, when I stopped doing average things and started doing the exact opposite, everyone started pointing at me and saying, "You're crazy." And by myself, I felt kind of crazy, but I teamed up with a couple of business partners who they were also crazy at the time. And you know that gave us some confidence that if we were crazy, at least we were crazy together. And we started testing some theories, testing some strategies, testing some principles, and we started to gain traction. And that traction started to become predictable results. And ultimately what happened is we became financially free. We found a way to free us from having to trade time for money. And along the way, we started having a lot of people coming at us. You know, In the beginning, they said we were crazy. And over time, they started saying, what are you doing? Right. And, and in the beginning, we were just giving them enough information to, to kind of answer their immediate question and say, Hey, I tried this, go try that, you know. But over time, we realized, man, we love helping people live a purpose driven life and money's what's holding them back. And so that's what evolved and, and, and eventually ended up to us launching this company. So I run a company today, well, two companies, but one's called Cashflow Tactics and Cashflow Tactics Mission. Its objective is to empower individuals with money to become financially free in 10 years or less. And mm -hmm. that's that's 
I've had so much um, joy out of doing that. We've helped thousands of people. Um, and now my, my objective, my, my area of focus is building a team, right? Learning how to get results, not by me working one-on-one with people, but helping my team get results for other people. And it's been tremendously empowering, rewarding, difficult, challenging, but awesome all, all along the way. I think that we, we go through these stages, right? Like first it's, it's get clients or make money. Then it's like I'm making money, and but I'm not being fulfilled by it because our entire focus through this tiny little pinhole lens is like I got to get money. And then you yeah. get there and you realize like money is not going to make me more happy by having more of it, and I want to do some other stuff. And that's where for me like the the freedom aspect comes into it. And we we tend to, and I've noticed this with we're talking to a lot of people and also feeling myself, we go through that same process that you went through. It's like how do I how do I get more fulfilled? And by helping others is naturally where we get that fulfillment because the 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 immediate thing people say is like, well, you know. If you're so good at X, why are you teaching it? Because yeah. there's this belief that, you know, if, you, if you're no good at doing something, you teach. And that might be true in like the education system, right? Teaching, mm-hmm. teaching business, but not in the, the consulting space. Uh, we're doing it because there's fulfillment. And now you're going through that transition uh, that, that I went through with my practice and, and my online company is like, how do I now step out and start to do more of the CEO role, creative stuff? And that's where it gets really fun uh, yeah. is when we're not that not in that day-to-day stuff. What do you think? Let's transition a little bit into, into actually understanding liabilities and assets and, and things like that a bit for the average listener who's looking at it and saying, I've got some cash, I'm saving in the bank. My philosophy is, and I don't know how it's true, and maybe you'll correct me on this, is that money in the bank is costing you money. It's expensive. Every year inflation goes up, your money is not making you anything. So there's loss of potential gains, but there's also actual loss because a million dollars today is not going to be what it is 30 years from now. And so money in the in the bank is dead and I want to get it out and get it into things and, and working for me. But what if I have no understanding of any of the particular areas, business, stocks, whatever, houses, where should I be looking at putting my money other than the bank, if you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah, um, yeah. To, to start using my money to make money. Awesome. I love that, man. And I think you you're hitting some really important topics to understand because, you know, in the in the world of traditional financial advice, we've all been trained, taught, and educated to put money somewhere, right? And to let that money stay in that place for a long enough period of time that it grows and it goes up in value. But at the end of the day, in fact, let me take my financial hat off and let me talk to you just like a, you know, day to day to make this analogy and make this uh, clear. Like, do you have a hammer inside of your house right now, James? I'm not very handy, but I'm pretty sure I've got a hammer. (laughs) You've got a hammer, right? Now, did you go to the store saying, I want a hammer, I need a hammer and I want it, right? Did you go to the store with the intention of buying a hammer because you wanted the hammer? Yeah. Probably to a certain extent, right? Mm. But you didn't want the hammer just to have the hammer. You wanted to do something with it, right? You wanted to hang up a picture. You wanted to, you know, break some uh, down a concrete wall or whatever you did with the hammer, right? No one wants a hammer. They want the outcome that a hammer will give them. Yeah, that's the exact same thing with money, right? No one really wants money. They want what the outcome of money will give them, and so. The first thing that you have to look at is what is your intention? What are you trying to accomplish? Because you can put your money in a hundred different places to grow your money, but is that what you're trying to accomplish? Right. And for us, our mission, I believe most people have the same underlining intention with their money. They want their money to not only grow, they want it to produce a stream of income for them, right? They want to be able to own and control their time. And whether you call that financial freedom or you call that retirement or whatever you want to call it, 
We want our money to give us a stream of income that will allow us to pursue endeavors and own our time, right? Do things that are relevant to us. So first and foremost, that's the when we're looking at money, who cares how much it grows? Yes, that there's relevance to that. The main thing that you want to gauge your success on is how much income does your asset produce? How long does that income last? And how active or passive do you have to be in that, that asset to get the outcome that you're looking for? That makes sense? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's step number one when we're talking to people about financial, whatever, financial strategy. It's shifting their target, right? Because most people don't have a target. Like they're in such a frenzy to take my money from point A and put it in point B because I'm going to get maybe more growth in point B. But at the end of the day, whether you have a you know a 10% return or a 20% return, does it really matter? And yes, to a certain degree, it does. But it doesn't matter as much until you understand how you get your money back and how, more importantly, it delivers you a stream of income. Uh, does this apply if you've already got substantial cash flow and you're now just collecting cash beyond your means because your lifestyle's paid for and now you're just collecting cash? Heck yeah, that's a great question. So step number one is stabilize abundance. Like step number one is build up an asset base that will deliver you enough cash flow to give you whatever lifestyle you want, right? And if that is done, then step number two, you're putting your money in places kind of like you're saying that are going to outpace inflation, that are going to grow, that are going to allow you at some future point in time to take money out and start a new business, buy a, a cabin, whatever it is. But step number one focus on investing in things that give you cash flow. And whether you love your business, whether you hate your business, whether you like your job, whether you don't like your job, being free opens up more possibilities. And that's mm. all the conversation of money is, is how to use money to help you be free, right? And then mm. once you're free, then the more liberating and empowering question, and this is why I don't like the idea and the concept of retirement. Most people trade their sanity, the best days, months, and years of their life for one day. But man, if you're free and you can step into a life and ask yourself some audacious questions, what would I do if money wasn't the constraint in my life? That gets exciting, right? You might end up starting a business and you know not make money from it for six months. But if it's not going to put you in the poorhouse because you have cash flow coming in to sustain your lifestyle, then you get to do it out of purpose, not out of you know scarcity and necessity. Does that make sense? Hundred percent. Like the concept of retirement doesn't even exist in my brain, like if someone yeah. said, when are you going to retire? I'm like, what are you talking about? Not not because I'm being like this online guru guy who's like, I'm not going to retire or whatever, but like, because I, it just does not make sense because I, yeah. I don't see my life being this thing that, you know, at some point I'm going to decide to not do these things. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that depending on which generation you're from, it's like more and more close to home, this idea of retirement and working. And you know, not necessarily go down the rabbit hole with it, but if we look at how we t we tend to be conditioned from children through schooling, how we're structured with schooling, there's a start time, there's an end time, you have to raise your hand to go to the bathroom, the bell rings. We're being trained for employment because employment kind of keeps things moving. And you, everyone around you is generating money to pay their lifestyle. And then they hope that one day they can go and then live their life. I think that when you start to think about it in terms of like time is is a is a resource you've got, money's a resource you've got. You don't get your time back. That's all the time you've got, and you've got good hours and bad hours, mm -hmm. or less good hours. Let's say hours when yep. you're ninety might be you know less quality hours than hours when you're twenty, thirty, forty, yeah. or whatever. So there isn't you know there's a there's a there's a bell curve on return of these hours, and I think that we we tend to try and hustle to to make money, to buy things, 
to impress people or make ourselves feel good or to have certain things that we don't necessarily want because we're not understanding the game. Like the game is currency. And I'd love to have you add to this. The game is money is a currency. It's an exchange that allows you to go, I've got this value and I want your value and let's have a universal intermediate. But since I've started to collect some wealth, I've started to realize that even just that, like I've got dollars, dollars fluctuate in, in value. That's, that's the economy. So then do I put all my dollars here or do like I, I, I charge in us, but I live in New Zealand. So I buy things in New Zealand dollars. There's a good exchange rate, but do I keep my money in us? Um, or do I bring it into New Zealand? And then if that fluctuates and technically I've got, I've got less and when you've got larger amounts, it's becomes more and more apparent. So this whole game is now there's crypto, Dogecoin or whatever's going off at the moment. Um, hilarious. Uh, you've got all these, these, these different mediums. And I think that a lot of the time that scares people because they just would like it to be, you know, I, I make a dollar and then I buy something and then I live my life and, and I want to get more of these dollars so I can have more of these things. But they're not seeing it as like, my life is ticking away and I don't know when I'm going to get hit by a bus. So what if I changed my, you know, debt to income ratio so I could have a bit more fun? Maybe I don't need a fancy car. Maybe I can, I just have a crappy car to get around and now I don't have to work so hard so I can have more of my time back and I can have some more freedom because the end goal is freedom. You know what I mean? People don't. Heck yeah, man. Lots yeah. of lots of things that are due to unpack for sure. Number one, and the last thing that you said, I believe strongly in understanding, again, going back to that analogy that you don't want money, you want what money will help you accomplish. So number one, you have to understand what you want. Mm. Right. And ultimately what you value. And if you value, like if it brings you a tremendous sense of happiness, joy, and satisfaction to drive around in the absolute most amazing car, then heck yeah. Right. Figure mm. out a way to get enough money to do that thing, but then ruthlessly eliminate the things that you don't value, the things that you mm. don't need. Right. Stop making decisions with your time based on how much things cost. Like make decisions with your time based on what do I want? And so that's number one. Number two, um, this idea of like, I mean, you get, we get to choose our problems in life. It's not like financial freedom. And, and James, I'm sure you're going to um, resonate with this, right? You've elevated your life, your business, and your financial status to where some of the problems that you had to deal with probably when you started, you don't have to deal with those in the same way that you do today. Mm. However, you still deal with problems, right? Mm. All you've done is you've chosen which problems you want to deal with because you can deal with the problems of abundance and there's always problems with abundance. How do I eliminate taxes? What's my exchange rate? How do I protect the money from you know, inflation? How do I protect it from markets? How do I you know, preserve it from litigation? That kind of stuff. There's a problems of abundance. Or there's problems of poverty. How do I put food on the table? How do I make enough money to put clothes on my kid's back? Whatever that is. So you get to choose your problem. That's that's part of this idea of freedom is, look, you're free and your choices will dictate the outcome that you're going to get. So for us, what we really try to do, what we really try to do with people, our entire movement of cash flow tactics is simplified down to, number one, principles of money. Because if you really understand life, life is based on principles. And if you want something, like think about the principle of gravity. We can't see it. We can't feel it. We can't touch it. But we learn sometimes the hard way that gravity exists, right? But once you understand the principle of gravity, you can make choices that won't put you flat on your face on the ground all the time, right? You can make choices based on the principle and the law of gravity. Money is the same way. There are principles around how to make money, how to keep it, and how to turn it into cash flow. Once you understand those principles, then get clear on what you want. 
and then follow the principles to get the outcome. And the faster you can get at focusing your efforts on a principle-based approach, the more control you're going to feel, the more predictability you're going to have, and ultimately the freer you become. What's some advice on, on, cause immediately the, the question becomes, well, like, how do I decide on what I want? Like, you know, do I want cars? Do I want this? Do I want that? I think that a lot of people look externally and trying to answer that question by seeing what everyone else is doing and, and social media and their friends and they try and decide their life that way. What would be some advice on how do I figure out, like, what do I want? Is this, is this an immediate thing I have to decide? Is it an ongoing process that I refine? What's your advice? Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the idea of retirement. I mean, if you if you ever get to the point where you've got everything you want, like you're as human beings, we're either progressing or we're digressing, right? And mm. this isn't meant to be. You always have to buy the next thing, right? Maybe what you want is you want to detach completely and go live in the forest, right? Maybe what you want is you want to go serve a humanitarian mission that has no. Uh, ability to pay you anything. If if anything, you're going to be giving money, right? You're going to be giving your time. So like, there's always going to be degrees of what you want. And that's why for us, we simplify everything down into a target. What do I want? Why do I want that thing? And I, I think the first thing to, to help you really get clear on what you want is to shut off social media. Mm. Like shut off the game of comparison and contrast because in a world uh, that we live in today with social media, like there's never enough. You never have, like, you'll look on social media and they have a better car than you. They live in a bigger, bigger house. They're taking more vacations, whatever it is. And you're going to constantly feel like this. It's kind of that idea of keeping up with the Joneses. You're going to constantly feel behind and you've got to do more to get the next thing. So shut off social media. The faster you can do that, the faster you really get clear on what you want. And then don't try to predict, you know, 40 years out. Again, that's the problem with retirement is you, you're trying to think so far out. I barely know what's going to happen tomorrow let alone when I'm 65. So mm. set a close short range target. I love to set. So our vision is financial freedom in 10 years or less. We like to pull everything back to say, what are all the things I need to do with money over the next year to make progress towards that goal? But more specifically, what do I want in the next 90 days? I can reasonably predict what I want 90 days from now. And maybe I want to be out of debt. Maybe I want to make more money. Maybe I want to launch a side hustle. Maybe I want to figure out how to generate my first stream of cash flow. What do I want? Why does it matter? And this is the most powerful question. Who do I have to become? Like you could go to the store and buy a hammer, but if you don't know how to swing a hammer without hitting your finger, then heck, you're not going to get the outcome that you want. So the only difference between James of today and James of whatever, five years ago when you started or whenever you started, is you became someone different. Mm. So that's really the objective here is your best investment is start thinking about yourself in who do I have to become, right? What mindsets, skill sets, or what connections separate me from the person I'm chasing, from either the ideal version of me, or I have a mentor that's a couple of years ahead of me. I'm chasing that path. Whatever that is, look, money's just a tool. Yeah. And once you understand the principles and what you want, man, it's, it becomes such a fun game. Like So many people feel stuck in money because they don't know how to use it. They don't know how to measure their success. They don't know how to get predictable outcomes. So you've got to take the time, right? I mean, freedom requires stewardship. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be free. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and know how to invest money. You do have to learn some things to understand how to get predictable, consistent results with money. And it's not hard. I think the media and financial gurus want to tell you that it's hard. It's not hard. Like We've been using money for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. We've been using some form of currency. All we have to do is trace it back to what are the principles to make money, keep it, and turn it into cash flow. 100%. I really used that concept of like, who do I have to become? 
and I created who I am now and I'm creating who I'm going to be mm-hmm. um, because you can't get to where you want to be with your current perspective strategies or anything. Otherwise you'd already be there. Like it just doesn't, it, it literally does not make sense. You cannot yeah. get to that next place without making a change. The basic example is if I want to go from here to there, I have to walk, which means I need to change my position. I need yeah. to have a belief about that James over there, he, he walked there. What did he believe to be able to walk there? Well, he believed that if I put my foot in front of the other one, I will move. He believed that I'm not going to die. He believed that I can do it. Like super basic here, but like it's the same, it's, it, it's a concept, right? Exact like, same thing, yeah. He, it, there has to be an understanding that the current beliefs that I'm using to stand still will not serve me to move because they're just different. And I think once we accept that, we realize that you can create your future, your outcomes, because it's not about going, well, how am I going to be a millionaire? It's about what do I need to be focusing on? What do I need to be doing to become that person who has that thing rather than like how? Because there's a million ways to, there's a million hows. People always, it's a really good example of this is wanting to grow your business. People are always like, how do I grow my business? Or how do I do this? How do I do that? I'm like, well, dude, there's a million different ways to get more clients. It's like, which way is going to be the best to achieve the outcome that you're looking for um, and resonates with you. And what's the one you're actually going to fucking do and keep That's doing it right there. consistently? That's it right there. The shiny object. Like we live in a world where busyness and knowledge is like, it's, it's celebrated, right? We get a plaque on the wall because of the degree that we have. Um, we were so busy at work and we get the promotion for the next little raise that we're going to have. Mm. All of this stuff is going to keep you average. Knowledge in your head is cheap. The way you convert knowledge into wisdom, the way you radically alter and change your life is by applying it, by taking action, by taking the knowledge and applying it in the real world. And then getting the feedback, getting knocked on your face, learning what worked and what didn't, and then taking that new knowledge and then reapplying it or reapplying it or reapplying it. That's what converts knowledge into wisdom. And that 100%, my friend, I love that. That's how you ultimately become free. Mm-hmm. Like knowing knowing how to convert knowledge, knowing how to gather knowledge, gather information and convert it into outcomes, results in your life that you want. I became more free without even necessarily changing the amount that I work or the amount that I go on holiday, just by understanding this. That immediately freed me from I'm working for the sake of working to I'm now creating because I want to create. And so I get to choose. And in doing that, I started to understand more about what I wanted and started going towards that instead of doing the thing that I thought I wanted, which I didn't really. And and your example of money, right? People say it all the time. They're like, oh, you know, I... I want a million dollars. Like if I have a million dollars, then my problems will be gone. It's like bullshit. You you want what you think that thing's going to get you. Yeah. Um, and that applies to everything. You know what I mean? It's like no one wants to go to the gym. They go there because it gives them something, whether yeah. it's they feel good because they feel like they're being healthy. It's the reason why people take supplements is because they think that that's going to make them feel, he- you know, be healthy. Whether it is or not is irrelevant. It's the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're feeling like it is. And I think that's important. And it comes back to that other point you talked about before is you have to know how to measure your success. People don't. We don't define what success is and we use other people or outside measures. And so especially if we have, if we set the wrong expectations around how to measure our success and we're comparing to other people and it's always never reachable, we're always moving the goalpost. Or we don't, and I think worst of all is we don't have any measure. We're just doing stuff. That's what gets you trapped. And I think that yep. if a lot of people actually looked at their situation and said, what do I really want? And they drew a line. 
most of us would probably be actually pretty close to that line. I think that it would be rare for us to be very, very far away from it. Just how it is, you know what I mean? What's your advice yeah. on, on how to begin measuring? Like, what do, you, what do you teach your clients when you say to them, hey, we've got to have a, a, a point of measure for what success is? Especially yeah, heck yeah, love that. So if it comes to money, then like I said, our first goal, we call it a strike number. Our first goal is how much income do you need to give you the ability to go on strike? Whether it's from a job, from a business, whatever it is, like how much money do you need coming in independent of your time to, to allow you to own your time? Right. So that's the strike number. Then all of your focus, all of your effort, all of your energy from a financial standpoint goes to bridging that gap from who you are today, the resources that you have, the mindsets, the skill sets that you have to who you have to become and the resources that you have to be free. So that's the strike number and growing your money to a billion dollars, having Bitcoin, whatever that is, like it narrows your focus in so, so laser focused on where do I put my money to generate cash flow? And let's say your, your monthly expenses, your monthly strike number is $5,000. The awesome part is the first time you acquire that first asset, if it gives you $500 a month of cash flow, well, then guess what? You're 5% of the way to your goal. Like you can measure that, you can see that, and the next time you do it, like you're, you're, you're it's kind of like that. You're raising the bar until you cross over that threshold. Then once you cross over that threshold, then you set a new target. Do I like my lifestyle at five thousand dollars a month? If so, what do I want next? Maybe I want to take the cash flow. Maybe I want to go on a trap. I want to go on a uh, once in a lifetime vacation, whatever that is. Or maybe, hey, I've been sacrificing so much because that strike number. I want to buy a brand new car. Awesome, right? Your expenses are going to go up. And now you know what you need to do to stay ahead of that game, right? How to increase your cash flow. So for us, financial freedom isn't a destination. And that's the fallacy of retirement. Work, grind, save. One day you'll have a pile of money. But like, here's the fallacy of retirement. How much is enough? Mm. Is a million dollars enough? Well, I don't know. Is 5 million? Well, I don't know. I mean, no one knows, right? And so that's mm. the problem. They don't know how much income those assets are going to generate. So like, and get that out of your mind. Financial freedom is a lifestyle, right? If you want to constantly increase your expenses, then you know how to increase your cash flow. If you get to the point, and many people do, where you've got more cash flow coming in than your ideal lifestyle, then the game of money changes, right? Then you step in, step out of abundance into the more scary part of life, but the more more rewarding part of life, purpose. And how do I use money as a tool to fulfill my purpose, whether that's through a business, whether that's through humanitarian efforts, whether that's through serving, whether that whatever that is, like how do you make money where the decision decisions that you're making are independent of the money required to make that decision? That's that's going from abundance to purpose. I knew when I was winning, uh, when I was able to go to the the gas station and get a full tank of gas and not think about it. That when, and that's an example of, of exactly what you said. Like I can just do the yeah. thing without thinking about it. And that's yeah. how you know you got that freedom. And, and as stupid as it sounds, like that was my first point of like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm actually doing well for myself. I grew up quite poor and, and that was like the thing. It was like 20 bucks a gas or whatever. And just going there and going, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And um, we've got friends that notice that like we just swipe a card for something. They're like, oh, are you, are you never concerned that it's going to decline? I'm like, why would it decline? Like, no. And I've started to realize like how I used to, be and how I am now, that old person has died because I yeah. changed it to create this. You've become and, someone new. Yeah. That's yeah. so powerful. Like I love, I love that because I've got someone in, in our community and like his response, uh, it's exactly what you just said. Because every time someone comes in, like we force them to understand their why. 
Because at the end of the day, it goes back to it. You don't want money. What do you want your life? What do you want that money to produce for you? And I love it because then we really get to the fuel, the drive behind what's necessary to make those changes. And one guy told me, guacamole. I just want to go to a restaurant and I want to be able to get all the guacamole I want to eat without stressing about how much does the guacamole cost. So for most of us, like when we really sit down and we identify a close range target, it's so much easier and closer than we thought it was. But the fact that we don't think about it, the fact that we just defer it to one day, this mystical idea of retirement, that anxiety, that trepidation builds up in your mind Mm. and you start wondering and questioning, will I ever have enough? Am I ever going to get the life that I want? It's not working out for me. And your mind takes over and the stories that you're telling yourself are a self-reinforcing cycle of negativity and scarcity. Mm. But when you get clear on what you want, I mean, it's so like for most people, you're, you're like you said, they're closer than they think. They just have never taken the time to identify their target. Mm. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I love that. More guacamole. I love it yeah. because it's, it, yeah. You, 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 when you bring the goalposts, uh, closer you can make more achievements and then you can make yourself feel better with what you're doing and it reinforces you and it grows you too often we set these targets far too far too far away i want to talk about i don't think a lot of people think enough about why banks exist (laughs) and how they make money from us i think a lot of us think we put money in the bank and it's like the safe place it's better than putting it in the walls you know and then i get a little bit of a return so i feel like i feel like it's growing I think a lot of people don't realize that the bank is, and I'm not super experienced with this, right? But I've got some ideas. The bank has taken it and using it to do their own investments and to offset certain things and take loans from other banks that are bigger than them to give them more money. And they're just clipping the ticket on all these transactions that are happening and the loans that are being given out and things like that because they're designed to make money. And so we've been conditioned over generations that we should put our money in the bank because it's safe because that's been the story for generations and therefore we all do it, but we don't understand that it's not necessarily the best place to put your money. Yeah, man. Uh, and, but then at the same token, we have to have the ability to create some liquid cash to solve problems when they do appear because the primary uh, currency of transaction is, is the dollar, right? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Man, I, I don't know if you've ever watched any of our content, but one of our most, uh, one of our most watched videos is exactly that topic. It's really funny. I don't know. You're in New Zealand, yes? Yeah. Okay, I've never been to New Zealand. I will be honest, it's on my bucket list. I want to get out there one day. Um, but here in the US, and it might be the same way in New Zealand, like we have a video and it says, look, every bank, whether you go to a bank in California, a bank in Texas, or a bank in New York, they all have two things in common, okay? All banks have two things in common. They all have video cameras and they all have a bowl of suckers, okay? I don't do, do banks hand out suckers in New Zealand? What do you what do you what do you mean sucker like lollies? like a sucker like a lollipop oh, like a lollipops. Um, yeah, yeah, they got candies and things there. Yeah. All right, all right. So every bank, even in New Zealand, right? So why? And I know this is kind of a joke, but it, it's going to expose the reality that you just kind of mentioned. Look, a bank hands out suckers because you're a sucker, right? When we put our money in the bank, here's the thing. Like, let's say I go to the bank right now. I've got ten thousand dollars. And I'm going to take that money and I'm going to put it in a bank account. And the reason I'm doing that is, yes, I need some liquidity, but I think my money's safe. I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Does the bank take my $10,000, take a post-it note and write my name on it and put it in the safe and say, hey, this is Ryan's $10,000. Let's keep it nice and safe for him. And when he comes back tomorrow or a year from now or 10 years from now, we'll have his $10,000 plus a marginal amount of interest that we'll give him because we get to hold his money. Mm. No. 
right? The bank is doing the exact opposite. They're saying, hey, Ryan, thanks for the money. Oh, hey, borrower over here, I've got $10,000. Why don't you come borrow it and pay me an interest rate using Ryan's money? And the reason they have cameras and suckers is they give me a sucker because I'm a sucker and they have cameras so they can laugh at me. I know that's a joke, but look, that's the reality. Banks are using one of the most powerful tools in finance. They're using leverage. Mm. They're using leverage, okay? And they're investing with leverage using my money to generate a stream of income. That income is interest rates for banks. They've got more income coming in. If they earn a 10% return and they pay me a 1% return, they've got a spread where they're making money using my money. So the entire game of financial freedom, the entire game of of people who have achieved exceptional results, they understand how to use leverage. It's a very dangerous tool, but it's a very powerful tool, right? And you, you've built a business, James, right? You've built a business that operates independent of you showing up every day and meeting with patients. Mm -hmm. You have used leverage, lots of different forms of leverage, people, systems, processes, money, right? That's the game. The Mm -hmm. game is using leverage. So banks, Yes, you need to keep your money liquid and safe. Whether you need to use a bank, that's a whole different strategy that we share inside of our our community. But like the reality of it is banks are using leverage to make trillions of dollars and they understand the game of money. But yet what we're told to do as individuals is trade our most valuable resource, our time for money, and then park our money somewhere, whether it's in a bank or a mutual fund or a 401k or whatever it is. And wait, 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 wait for one day. There's no mention of cash flow. There's no mention of leverage. There's no mention of taxes. But yet banks do the exact opposite of what we're, what they tell us to do. Well, because they need us to do it. Well, and because they're playing a different game than we are. They understand right. the game of wealth, the game of money. The average person does not. So they use banks as a place to park their money. And then banks use our money to generate cash flow. Exactly, exactly. And it goes deeper than that though, right? Like you've got banks leveraging off banks, leveraging off banks. It's like insurance. Fractional reserve. Yeah, man, we can go deep down the rabbit hole. Um, I mean, it gets insidious. Like it is literally a machine that is sucking the lifeblood out of the average everyday hardworking American or person in the world. And it's you being used to make the wealthier wealthy. Because look, here's the reality. If you want to be wealthy, it's not like an insidious game. It's not like you have to understand the rules of any game. Like if I show up to a basketball court with the the rules of playing football, I'm going to lose. If I show up to the game of money with rules that are losing rules of I'm going to trade my life away, I'm going to work really hard, I'm going to put my money somewhere and I'm going to hope for one day, you're going to lose the game of money. But if you understand the rules of money, then the, the game of making cash flow, the game of tax, you know, tax strategy, the game of leverage... It's pretty easy, but you have to understand the rules. And like you said, James, you got to become someone different. You can't just blindly put your money somewhere and expect a positive outcome. You have to build systems and processes to give you predictable outcomes. One idea that that I'd like to change is this idea that, well, first of all, that that the wealthy have taken. I think that a lot of people, there are those that do, and there are companies that do, and predatory, all kinds of things. But I think that in general, especially when I look at myself, I'm like, I haven't taken anything. I've created a hell of a lot of value and everyone else has got a better better exchange than what I got, right? You pay me 10 grand, I'll help you make 100 grand a year extra. And in, in 10 years, that's a million dollars. That's a 100 to one return. Like that's insane. But it's just coming to me. So it's coming to a single point. So it appears as if I have got the better end of the deal. But I just created the value as a center point of the value, the feeding trough, and everyone came and fed from me. 
But if you accumulated all of theirs, they would actually have more. And so what happens is when we don't have what we want and we have negative limiting beliefs, we tend to externalize why and we look to people who have and think, therefore, they must have taken. And so I think that a good way to, to look at it, especially with economies and things like that, is that the, the system's designed to make the, the rich richer, not necessarily because it's insidiously set up in such a way. And, and if you're in that class, then, then now you get rich. And if you're not, you don't. It's in my belief, and, and I'd love to discuss this with you, is like certain people understand the rules of the game. They start to level themselves up. And in doing so, you continue to level. And if you push really, really hard, you get to a point where you now influence policy, which then begins to change the rules of the game. And you understand them so deeply that you can play it at an extremely high level. Now there's, you know, there's corruption, there's, you know, manipulation of things and excluding that side of things. I think that just inherently, the better the game you get, the more nuances you have. Like being a lawyer allows you to understand the law. Being an accountant allows you to understand tax. And so suddenly you can see it differently than you and I. And we look at, for example, defense lawyers and think, oh, they got this person off versus no, they they fairly represented them within the, the rules of the game that the other side didn't play well enough to win. And I think that with money, it's, it's important to do that because then you can see yourself as a player, not as somebody who's had everything taken from them and you know, it sucks and it's your fault and blah, blah, blah. Because when we actually look at it, everybody in the Western world is in the 1% compared to everybody else. I don't know if you've ever been to India, yeah. but there's like three generations of family living on the street cooking dinner together yeah. and they've been there yeah. forever. And we complain about how, you know, the wealth here, this and that. But when you look at the world, I think that people need, need to gain some perspective, but also understand, like like you said, play the rules of the game. Again, um, do you want to hear some rules of the game? I love that. Like, so inside of our community, we have what we call the principles of the producer revolution. I believe your best investment and all of our best investment is learning how to be producers. And you mentioned a couple of things. I'm going to give you principles behind what you just mentioned because a principle is powerful. It's a tool that you can pick up and use, right? So mm. number one, the first principle of production is dollars follow value. Mm. Okay. If you want dollars how do you create value? Like, think about it right now. If you don't have enough money in your life, the, the money that you're seeking is in someone else's bank account, someone else's pocket. How do you, as a producer, go create enough value that that person will want to trade your value for their dollars, right? So dollars follow value. Number two, exchange creates wealth. And this kind of goes to your, your point of people are paying you to make money. But here's the crazy part. Let, let's, let's use something super, super simple, right? Let's say you and I meet... And I'm really thirsty, right? I'm super, super thirsty. And you're not very thirsty. But you have a bottle of water, right? And I have a dollar bill, okay? And if we come together and we look at this, this, this opportunity to transact, I want your dollar, or excuse me, I want your water bottle because I'm thirsty. And you don't really care about the water bottle. You would prefer to have my dollar. As long as you, you didn't manipulate me or coerce me or, or steal from me or lie to me, when we exchange... I got what I wanted, right? I got the, the water bottle. You got what you wanted. You got the dollar bill. So here's the crazy part. Like when we exchanged, did one party win and did one party lose? We both won, mm -hmm. right? Exchange created wealth because we both got exactly what we wanted. And over time, if you operate ethically and honestly and are truly creating value, then Dollars follow value, exchange creates wealth, and profit is a tool of validation, right? You'll see people that lie and manipulate and steal, and it's hard for them to be profitable long-term, right? Eventually, their fraud is uncovered, and they, they, 
you know, Bernie's Bernie Madoff, right? Mm-hmm. So do- dollars follow value, exchange creates wealth, and profit is a tool of validation. Those are the three principles that look, if you're feeling like you're stuck in the game of money, how do you create more value? How do you then exchange that value with people? How do you solve problems and get your offer, your value proposition in front of the right people? And how do you measure your profitability over time? Because if you can tip the scales, then eventually you use even more leverage to build a team, to build a marketing message, to use leverage in your business to solve more problems without you directly having to be involved. Because we're always limited. You have the same 24 hours. I have the same 24 hours. And if we're just limiting our time, there's only so far we can go. But if we can build a system and a process, we can solve more val- or create more value, solve more problems, and expand the profitability, which ultimately that's the driving force of an economy. It blesses everyone involved if everything's being done ethically. I want to touch on this idea of value and, and link it back to what we talked about before where the system's set up in a certain way. I think that a lot of us, we, we don't understand labor and capital and the relationship between labor and capital. When there is too much labor opportunity, capital disappears. Why would you pay a lot of money that can, for something that can be done by anybody? Yep. When there isn't much labor capital has to go up because you've got to pay more for it. And there's this always this balancing act between labor and capital with labor always kind of being in the situation of eventually it's going to be systemizable, outsourceable to someone cheaper or removed entirely, right? And I think that a lot of us see what we do as valuable, but we don't understand that it's not actually creating value. For example, if we're a, a checkout operator at a supermarket, I don't know about in the States, but in New Zealand, you now have one person with 10 checkouts and everyone goes and does beeps their own things and makes the mm-hmm. payment. And one person's just there to watch you and help when the barcode doesn't work um, and to stop you stealing stuff. But the system itself, it, it weighs the, the objects and it knows whether you're trying to swipe things and not put them down or put them down or not, et cetera. And it's, and it's meant that labor is less valuable because the machine can do it. So if you're looking at how you can create more value, when I'm building a business and I'm hiring people, I'm creating leverage for people to do stuff for me to help me grow, it's feeding back to me at the top because I own the business because I created the opportunity for value. And I purchased the labor with the money that I was generating from my efforts and I developed that leverage because I was willing to take my capital, use it on things that didn't like, instead of buying a car, I bought an employee. And the employee did the labor and then the labor accumulated leverage and money. And I think that people don't understand this because when they're looking at what they're doing, it's like, well, how do I create more value? Be more like that. What I tell my employees is, and maybe it's to my detriment in the future, but I'm like, make it so that I can never get rid of you, right? Like make yourself so valuable to me that I'm concerned about you leaving constantly. Yeah. Because I'm going to pay you more because you're producing more. So there's a really interesting story, um, and it's told by Steve Wozniak. So er- everyone kind of looks at, at Steve Jobs as the the you know the founder, the the brains behind uh, Apple, and Steve Jobs for sure was a massive value creator, an innovator, a, an inventor, right? Very, very good at what he did. But Wozniak behind him was the brains behind the operation. And Steve Wozniak tells uh, this story. In the beginning, they started in the garage, right? They started with nothing. But over time, as they brought more and more successful ent- like entrepreneurial people... So everyone thinks you have to be an entrepreneur. You got to go start your own thing. No, you could be an entrepreneur in someone else's game. And in the beginning, when when uh, Apple started, I can't remember what the hills are there in California, but they were all empty, right? There was no houses up on those hills. 
But one day, and it was like seven, eight years uh, after like Apple got big, one day Wozniak walked out and he saw the mountainside lit up. There were mansions and big houses all across the skyscrape. And he knew every single one of the houses. Every single one of those people had become entrepreneurial inside of the game of Apple, had risen because of their ability to create value, to solve problems, and had made a lot of money doing it. Mm. Right. So the reality of it is, if you're a checker, um, you know, doing the little thing and preventing people from stealing, you're only creating a certain amount of value. Well, how, how do you know how much value you're creating? Well, your employer is telling you, right? Your employer is saying, I'm willing to pay X amount of dollars for what you're doing. If you're unsatisfied with the dollars that you're getting based on the value that you're creating, then there's something that needs to change. It's not your employer. It's not your employer's fault, right? You have the opportunity to increase your mindsets or your skill sets. How do you solve a bigger set of problems, right? How do you create more value? And as you create more value, just like an Apple, like the people that rose to the top, the people that created value, they got lots of dollars as a result of that. But the people that stayed at the bottom and just sold iPhones, I bet their role and their income didn't really change that much over year one, year two, year five, year 10, year 20. Right? Because they were creating a limited amount of value and were unwilling to invest in their mindsets and skill sets to increase the amount of value that they were creating. I like you said mindsets because you can be, you can be a difficult employee who doesn't create ease, isn't efficient, uh, doesn't do a good job, and, I'm go- and, and therefore you've got decreased value within the same role and I'm going to want to get rid of you. Or you can be super nice, super efficient, super helpful, going the extra mile and creating more value even within your current restriction of your of your role, which opens you up to opportunities of promotion as an example, right? Yeah. I think that when we're talking about like business opportunities or, you know, crafting offers for, for clients and things, uh, a big one for me is my clients always say, well, how do I create more value, right? I can't just, I can't just charge more. I'm like, first of all, yes, you can. And secondly, um, it comes down to actually adding value. So can you, can I do more? Can I do it? better? Can I make it easier? Um, Or can I also, the fourth one for me, is helping people understand the value of what you're doing at a deeper level. So for example, as a chiropractor, am I just cracking backs? If I am, then the dude at the mall charging 10 bucks for a massage and a back crack is the same as me. Yep. So where's the value? The value is there. It's now set by the the, the lowest common, the person who who else can can go and do it. Your mom can walk across your back. So is that the same as me? It's like, yes or no. Well, if that's what you're promoting, then yes. And you can get bitter about it. You can get sad about it. Or you can just realize, hey, that's my fault. So how do I help people understand the value? And so we did that in our practice and people understood why they were there, the outcomes we were creating, how this fit into their lives beyond just the symptoms they were experiencing. So they could understand the actual value of it and therefore they could they would pay more, they would stick around longer. So each client was more valuable to our practice. We I got love more that. referrals and it grew because we understood the pain, the outcome, and how our bridge properly fit in that equation. So look, here's the reality that I believe in. I believe in, you know, freedom is not binary. It's not, you're not free and then you are free. There are levels of freedom. And one of the most powerful levels of freedom that you can obtain is look at the results of your life. And you have one of two options, right? You can look at those results and say, they're not fair. Life is happening to me. I don't have the right education. My employer didn't give me any opportunities. Uh, Whatever it is, I grew up in the wrong neighborhood. Whatever it is, life is happening to you. And if that's the way you're looking at life, you will always be a victim of the reality that you live in. Always, right? You'll be stuck and you're looking external to you for solutions. You're waiting for the next 
president to get elected. You're waiting for the next tax break. You're waiting for the next hottest stock tip, whatever it is. But you're not free because you're not willing to accept your reality and your results. If, however, if you look at your life and say, hey, this is awesome, but I feel like I've sold myself short. I feel like I want the next thing. I feel like I'm capable of more. Then life is literally happening for you. It's giving you the exact situations and circumstances you need to help you see a bigger vision and become a new person. Like literally that's it. So that's freedom is own your life, own your results, own your circumstances. It's hard to look at the facts and to look at them and say, they're my fault. And maybe other people contributed to your reality, but who cares? It's your reality. And if you're unwilling to own it, you'll never change it. But once you own it, then the entire world opens up for you. Dude, preach. Look, I think that things can happen to us, you know, and there's plenty of people that, that are examples of success despite that. But I think that it, it's our ability to say, well, it's still my reality. Whether or not it has, because you could argue all day about whether it was your mother who did say these things and therefore this happened. Or you can go, okay, cool. And then what? Like, then what did you do with that? Did you, did you attempt to make any change after that? I was born, like Nick, I can't say his last name properly, Nick Santanossi or something like that. Amazing dude, talks to Tony Robbins, no arms and legs, yep. one arm and a finger, right? Great dude, crushing yep. it. Did he go, oh, life sucks? Yeah, he probably did for a while. I'm pretty sure that's his backstory. Then he yep. realized, hey, I can make some change and I can live differently and I just got to live within those means. There are people that have it way better off who suffer far more because they're unwilling to look at how much control they actually have on how they're going to progress in their life. What if, what if Nick would have looked at his reality and said, it sucks and it's not fair. It sucks and it's not my fault. Is he right? Yeah, it's probably not fair and it's probably not his fault. But does that empower him in any way to rise up? Does that empower him in any way to use his circumstances, whether they're fair or not, use his circumstances and his reality to his benefit? Mm. And it's only when you change that perspective and whether it's fair or not, it's irrelevant, right? It is your reality. Okay. And then once you accept it, then you can choose to do something with it and make an impact in other people's life. Maybe correct the infrastructure that caused an unfair circumstance for you to experience. Maybe you become the person that helps correct that so those circumstances don't perpetuate. Mm. Right. But until you're willing to own your life as awesome, as crappy, as fair, or as unfair as it is, you'll always be stuck. 100%. 100%. This has been an incredible episode. Uh, where can our audience connect with you online? Yeah, heck yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so we run a podcast. Uh, the entire goal of our podcast is to give you the tactics behind the princi- some of the principles that I talked about today. It's the Rise Up Live Free podcast. It's probably the best way to, for people to listen to what we do. We're also on Facebook, um, Cashflow Tactics. If you just search Cashflow Tactics, we run a free five-day challenge where we show you the path to becoming financial, financially free in 10 years or less. The challenge is 100% free. Our entire game is to show you a different perspective around what's possible and how money works. So those two things, if you want to just listen to what we talk about, listen to our podcast. If you want to experience what we talk about and go through the five-day challenge, go to Facebook and uh, just search Casual Tactics. Amazing. Thanks, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And I'm definitely going to be in touch because there's been some uh, absolute gold uh, in this episode. Awesome, James. It was a pleasure to be here with you today. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes 
with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business. We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatt.com forward slash live and you can get access to that now. There's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show. All of that will be in the description. So if you are watching this on YouTube, check the description. If you're listening to this episode, check the description. We've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life, whether it's relationships, investing, or in business. I'll see you on the next episode. And as always, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.